Democrat Richard Orr unsuccessfully challenged Republican Bill Eigel four years ago in the St. Charles County-based 23rd District. But now Orr is back for a rematch, and he contends the political environment is more favorable for his party. Orr joins us next on the latest episode of Politically Speaking, so let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me as our special guest today, he is the Democratic nominee in Missouri's 23rd Senatorial District. Hello, Jason. Thank you for having me here. It's Richard Orr, by the way. Welcome back to the show. You were here in 2016 when you ran against Senator Bill Eigel, who was on an episode that should have been released before this one, where we're we're releasing the two candidates in the 23rd District back to back. Um, Why did you decide to run for this seat again? And what do you think has changed since 2016 for your candidacy? Well, things have not gotten a lot better in Missouri for many of the issues that that I'm wanting to help improve on. My opponent has not performed brilliantly in in the opinion of myself and a lot of others. And uh, I think that uh, the Republican brand is not as strong as it was in 2016. Certainly, Trump is not as strong. President Trump is not as strong as he was in 2016. And I think that uh, there's opportunities there for a new direction. When I was talking with Senator Eigel, uh, he indicated that even though Trump has probably lost a lot of support in places like western St. Louis County, he contends that the president still holds a lot of popularity in St. Charles County. From talking with voters do you see that Trump's erosion in the suburbs reaching places like St. Charles County? And if so, how do you think that would affect a contest like yours? Well, clearly it, it has reached uh, this part of St. Louis or St. Charles County where I'm at. Um, there's, there's no question he's still popular, but uh, nowhere near as much as he was. Uh, the eastern half of the county that I'm wishing to represent is uh, is more, I wouldn't necessarily say liberal, but uh, certainly more pragmatic, not as idealistic as uh, in, in the right wing sphere as the western half of the county. So uh, he's partly right. Uh, he, there's still a lot of popularity for Trump out there, but it's, it's diminished and certainly diminished in the eastern half of the county. And I'm I'm confident that uh, we're going to see an entirely different dynamic at play in November. One of the things that I'm particularly paying attention to is a big part of the 23rd district also includes the 2nd Congressional District, where Ann Wagner is running against Jill Shoup. And a lot of observers may just assume that Wagner is going to win the St. Charles County part of that district by a lot. And he, she probably will win. 
But given that there's a lot of money that's being uh, devoted to trying to get Shoup over the finish line, and some of it probably is going to turn out Democrats in St. Charles, how important do you think it is for you to help someone like Shoup out by getting more Democrats and basically holding down Ann Wagner's margins in St. Charles uh, in this closely contested race? Well, that's an excellent point. Uh, I think it's going to be tremendously important and uh, helpful to candidates like myself throughout the county. We've got a great slate of Democratic state reps that are running for the for the state rep position, as well as myself running for the Senate. And uh, the enthusiasm and the support for Jill is is pretty amazing. And I think that is going to translate into uh, more support for myself and some of the others. And we're, we're behind Jill 100%. We're behind Nicole. The, uh, the slate from the top down, I think, is going to help all of us because the enthusiasm is there. And the need for a change of leadership is, is definitely there. And uh, I'm hoping that that helps. So let's talk about some of the issues where you and Senator Eigel may diverge. Uh, one of them most likely is right to work, which is a which is a term that proponents use to describe a policy that bars unions and employers from requiring the payment of dues as a condition of employment. Uh, a, a periodic disclaimer, I am part of a labor union because I am an adjunct instructor at Washington University. So I just want to make sure our listeners know that before we talk about this topic. I, Senator Eigel is a support supporter of right to work. He's talked about it on our show before. What What's your position on that issue? Well, that is one of the major areas where we diverge. Um, I'm proud to have had a lot of support from some of the reunions around the state because of my strong anti-right-to-work position. Uh, right, right to work is uh, a terrible method whereby uh, employees can freeload off the off the members of the unions that are paying their dues and doing the work, supporting the union, trying to help fellow members. But with right to work, it allows others to come in and, and reap all the benefits without any contribution whatsoever. It always amazes me that Republicans talk in favor of right to work when usually they're the party where people are expected to uh, take care of themselves and build on uh, being self-sufficient and not want to uh, ride on the backs of others, which is what Right to Work does. So uh, I expect it to rear its ugly head again if the Republicans uh, maintain their supermajority in the legislature, and I hope that I'm there to help prevent that. That was going to be my next question. Right to work was repealed in 2018 by a pretty healthy margin. And it could stand a reason that that may be an issue that Republicans just decide not to touch because it's been shown to be unpopular at the polls. Why do you think it may rear its ugly head? Your words, not mine, by the way, uh, in in 2021. Well, I think it's it's clear that the backers, the, the corporate backers that are pushing for right to work in Missouri are not going to give up. They, they may or may not uh, persuade the legislature to, to go in that direction in the next session. But even in the last section, with the clear repudiation by the voters of right to work, there were many 
members of the legislature that uh, were trying to advance bills to uh, pass it once again. Now, they, this, the support overall was not there, and so it didn't happen. But be assured, it, it will come back. They're, the uh, forces behind it are powerful and determined, and uh, eventually they will uh, get it voted on again, even if it doesn't pass. I want to talk about an issue I talked about with Senator Eigel, and that's congressional redistricting. Uh, for our listeners, and I kind of alluded to this on the, the previous show, the legislature is responsible for drawing the congressional maps. Regardless of what happens with Amendment 3, which involves state legislative redistricting, uh, Amendment 3 does not affect that process. So if you are elected to the Missouri Senate, you will probably have a major say over how some of the St. Louis area congressional districts are being drawn. One of the things that Senator Eigel expressed interest in is putting most, if not all, of St. Charles County into one congressional district. It could be the second congressional district, for example, which is being hotly contested by uh, Ann Wagner and Jill Shoup. On one hand, I think that that's been a goal of a lot of St. Charles Republicans from a purely regional perspective because they want to have a foothold to have a, a representative in Congress. From the Democratic perspective, though, especially if you put all of St. Charles into the second congressional district, especially if Jill Shoup wins, that may make it very difficult for her to win re-election. Given that this is going to be top of mind in just a few months, what's kind of your perspective on how congressional redistricting should go next year? Well, I would not be in favor of a move like that. Uh, it is unnecessary and it smacks of uh, the gerrymandering that uh, so many of us have been trying to eliminate throughout the state, uh, in the state districts and in the federal districts. There's no convincing reason that this would be of any benefit. It would, uh, it would actually diminish the uh, people with the same backgrounds and cultural outlooks that now are somewhat contiguous. And it would, uh, as you say, it would, it would push things further into the western part of the county where uh, the values seem to be somewhat more extreme, somewhat more conservative than the rest of the county. So I would be opposed to that. What is your opinion on Amendment 3, which, again, would effectively repeal clean Missouri, the Clean Missouri redistricting system that voters approved in 2018, replace it with what I would classify as a, a, a modified version of the old system where either commissions or appellate judges draw the maps, but the criteria is a lot different than Clean Missouri and even before Clean Missouri. What, what's your opinion on that proposal? Yeah, I, I am definitely opposed to the uh, effort to undo the provisions of Clean Missouri that were passed by the voters in, in the last election. And uh, it's, uh, it's pretty ridiculous where the legislature is trying to basically say the voters didn't know what they wanted, they didn't know what they were doing, they, they thought the gerrymandering was just fine, and so they want to put it back. Uh, the criteria is not going to be substantially different in the, the new amendment that they've proposed. It'll still be ultimately partisan gerrymandering, the return of it. So I, I think it would be a huge step backwards 
if, uh, if that were to take effect. And one of the worst parts of it, they have, they have tacked on very strange additions to their amendment that doesn't just undo the previous clean Missouri, but now we're not going to count for uh, district, districting usage anyone under the age of 18, which has never been done in any other state. Uh, it's uh, a really uh, undemocratic uh, move on their part, and I, I'm not sure why exactly they thought it was appropriate to put that on the amendment, but that makes the whole thing even much worse. I, I, I was talking with Sean Sonker Nicholson, who is leading the charge against Amendment 3, and what you're referring to is that it would allow the count of eligible voters as opposed to total population. He said that it's not required, but it would be an option. And I think that his concern that even if the option is on the table, it could lead to all sorts of unintended consequences, um, like like for not, not uh, counting children. But just to play devil's advocate, the proponents of Amendment 3 have argued that Clean Missouri in 2018 was deceptive because it paired a lot of popular ethics overhauls with a very big change in state legislative redistricting. And that that's kind of their counter argument to the anti-Amendment 3 people who are saying that Amendment 3 in itself is deceptive because it includes very marginal changes to lobbyist gift and donation limits. What do you make of that argument that's being put forward by Clean Missouri opponents? Well, I, I don't think it holds any water whatsoever. I think the original amendment was clear to the voters what it was all about, and uh, they they weren't fooled, as they're attempting to do now with the what I'd like to call unclean Missouri, and it's on the ballot. Um, the, uh, the Their version had to be rewritten uh, by court judges because they originally attempted to make it look like it had nothing to do with undoing the original amendment, which it clearly does. And it's still uh, much more misleading than Clean Missouri ever was. So hopefully voters will see through this as just an attempt to go go back to partisan gerrymandering. Most of the focus on ballot initiatives have focused on Amendment 3, but there is another amendment that would place term limits for the for statewide officials that aren't already term limited, like Attorney General, Secretary of State, Lieutenant Governor and Auditor. What's your take on that proposition? Well, it's it's not a, a tremendously harmful uh, proposition given that uh, we already have term limits for a lot of the higher state offices. But in general, I'm not in favor of term limits at all because they, uh, they have a lot of negative effects. They, they sound really terrific to, to voters many times who don't really understand the, the ultimate consequences of, of having term limits, but they force out popular legislators that are doing a good job. They empower lobbyists. Uh, they they uh, allow open seats to occur that uh, one party is probably more financially able to uh, benefit from than the other. And I, I just think in general, uh, the best term limit is the ballot box. We'll be right back after this quick break with Democrat Richard Orr, the nominee for his party in the 23rd Senatorial District. 
And we're back on Politically Speaking with Richard Orr, a Democrat running to be the state senator for the 23rd district in St. Charles County. I want to give you a little bit of free space. We talked about some specific issues like uh, right to work and congressional redistricting. If you are elected and you are a member of the Democratic caucus, what would be some of your big priorities in Jefferson City? Well, there's quite a lot. Um, I want to continue to focus on Medicare expansion um, that that was passed and uh, will hopefully take effect if something doesn't happen to uh, the Affordable Care Act at the federal level. But uh, for far too long, people in the lower uh, spectrum of the income scale have been given pretty short shrift in Missouri. And I think it's time that uh, tax breaks are uh, looked at for the average working person and not just large corporations. One of the last uh, Republican-backed tax cuts that were implemented, implemented excuse me, in Missouri gave a 5% uh, tax cut to corporations and one-half of 1% to individuals and families, which I don't think is the right way to go. And it's also uh, creating great stress with the, uh, the budget in Missouri. And cuts are constantly being made to... Uh, programs and services that people need, and schools. I want to fully fund schools. That's going to be a large part of what I plan to work on and, and, uh, and, and contribute to if I get to Jefferson City. Um, gun legislation is something that's a pretty hot topic, and uh, most Democrats like myself, our positions on guns are widely distorted by the opposition. Uh, nobody, including myself, is planning to take anyone's guns. Uh, I wouldn't let anyone take mine, and I'm not going to take anyone else's. I would just personally like to go back to the system we had before 2017, or 2016 actually, where you had to have a, a simple permit and you had to have a modicum of training in order to buy a handgun and conceal carry it. This does not seem to be uh, a big hardship that, that people shouldn't be able to do. And uh, law enforcement agencies, even though many of them support my opponent, uh, were very much against the lifting of the requirement for uh, licensing and training for a handgun uh, person to be able to obtain a handgun. But they're supporting in general candidates that don't want to return to those sensible controls, which I do. Um, seniors are not being given, uh, which for the sake of uh, full disclosure, I am one. Uh, seniors are not given the uh, concern that they should be in state government right now. Um, the, the funding for uh, aging uh, services have been cut about a third over the last 15 years, even though seniors are going to be uh, over 20% of the state population by 2040. And uh, all of the uh, cuts and the uh, effects of what the legislature has been doing with Medicaid are going to come back and, and haunt many of us. Uh, about 60% of seniors require Medicaid 
for nursing home care as they age. And meanwhile, uh, Medicaid gets cut further and further. And there's going to be a point of reckoning here somewhere. Uh, another thing that's come up that I get calls about, people, ordinary average working people are contacting me with issues that uh, they're having trouble addressing by going to the existing representatives or the senator. And they're asking me things like, how do I get in touch with somebody for my unemployment? Because there, it's completely impossible to talk to a human being if you're having any issues with unemployment. Um, so I would, I would try to address that, make sure that we have the services and the programs for people that are basic stuff that you need to live, and that's, that's one of them. So uh, there are many, many things I would work on. Uh, I'm the father of a serving member of the Armed Services. My daughter has been in the Army for 17 years. It's extremely important to me that veterans get the care and assistance when they return to civilian life, and I don't think we're fully addressing that in Missouri either. Uh, on, on Medicaid expansion, there may be an effort from the Republican legislature to pass some sort of work requirement, and it's not unclear whether that would be another ballot initiative or whether they would try to do that by statute. If that came up to the floor, what would be your position on that type of thing? Well, I'd be totally opposed to that. Those uh, type efforts have been proven to be tremendously unsuccessful and harmful in the past. We've already been uh, removing people from Medicaid roles uh, just tremendously uh, in the past few years. Uh, the governor has dropped 100,000 kids from Medicaid. And uh, work requirements will just exacerbate that. They do absolutely no good. Uh, you would have, the state would have to pay a huge amount of money for child care assistance to put people to work with children. I realize most of these uh, requirements would be directed at those without children that they're supporting. But the number of those people is, is extremely small that get any Medicaid assistance. And uh, it, it's just to, to monitor the situation would add a layer of bureaucracy that would do absolutely no good for anyone. On, uh, one of the things I want to ask you is about charter schools. Your opponent talked to me about how he's a supporter of expanding them across the state. He contends that they are an alternative to struggling school districts. I want to get your opinion about whether charter schools should be expanded across the state. Well, <clears throat> this is another area where we strongly diverge. Um, no, I'm against charter school expansion. Uh, unless it's being done by the individual districts, and is subject to the same controls and requirements that the individual districts have to go through. There's no proven benefit. Uh, there are well-performing charter schools, but there are also very well-performing public schools that do quite well. And uh, the answer to struggling schools throughout the state is to fund them better and keep the control with the school, local school boards that are elected for those positions as opposed to charter schools, which will be a carpet board and the accountability is, is far, far less than what a public school would have to, have to be subject to. So no, this is a, a dilution of already scarce 
funds for state schools that I would be opposed to. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the issue that I think is on everybody's mind, which is COVID-19. St. Charles County, unlike St. Louis County, where I'm recording the show, by the way, uh, does not have a mask mandate. I would say that their restrictions are a lot looser than the city and the county. Um, and they kind of go hand in hand with the state right now, where I wouldn't say that the statewide restrictions are particularly onerous. There is no statewide mask mandate. What would you do differently if I know that? Let me back up for a second. I know that you don't aren't going to have the complete say over this because you're not running for governor. You're running for the state legislature. But if you could influence the next governor to do something differently on COVID-19 prevention than the current one, what would be some of the things you would advocate for? Well, I think it's uh, clear to many that we have not done a very good job managing this crisis at at the top level of the state with the uh, governor or the legislator, le- legislature. Uh, I would be in favor, I, I thought originally there should be a statewide mask mandate. Uh, whether that happens or not, I would like to see St. Charles join those counties like St. Louis County that have implemented such a mandate that seems to have helped quite a bit in controlling the spread. Um, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, St. Charles County passed St. Louis City with the number of new cases, their number of total cases of COVID, uh, which I think clearly shows we're moving in the wrong direction in the county. My, as you said, my opponent doesn't feel masks are needed or useful, and you could see that from some of his uh, publicity photos he's done lately and his appearances. But I think he's doing a great disservice to the people of St. Charles County. And I've spent my career in, uh, in the retail world managing a chain of sporting goods stores. And I can say that it's extremely unfair for, to expect stores to police mask policies. And they're, they're trying valiantly to keep their employees and their customers safe by telling people they have to wear a mask, but they have no enforcement mechanism other than to, uh, to try to escort the customers who won't abide by that out of the, out of the store. And it's tremendously unfair to ask them to do that with no backing whatsoever from the legislature or from the county council in St. Charles County's case, or the county executive. From talking with your opponent, I don't know if he's necessarily like against people wearing masks, but he is certainly against a mask mandate. And his argument is that they're very difficult to enforce and having the government require this activity is not the right way to go. Uh, what do you what do you make of the whole process of enforcing a mask mandate, which seems to be a very challenging endeavor, not only in St. Charles County, but also in outstate Missouri, where there are more often than not, not mask mandates? Well, no, no one should think that it wouldn't be a challenge to enforce such a mandate in certain parts of the state. Most parts of the state, uh, people are not falling for the, the uh, misguided opinion that the whole thing is a hoax, which certainly if our governor had, uh, had taken more of an effort to show people that it was a concern that he had gotten COVID, it, it, they might feel differently than what many of them do. 
but uh, the the idea that uh, law enforcement can't enforce a a mandate or a law is, is very selective. It seems for Republicans, they they really like to pass laws against all manner of things that they don't agree with. But every time something comes along that they that they think is uh, not what they want, then they say it can't be enforced. Gun laws, for instance, uh, they're very selective about what laws they wish to enforce. Some they think are completely enforceable and others are completely unenforceable. And I don't really think that's the case. I think a mask mandate, even if you don't arrest people, if people know that, that, that law enforcement agencies are on the side of the businesses that are trying to keep people safe, they'll abide by it. Right now, they're told, do it if you want, don't do it if you don't want, and this is not helpful. So let's talk about the campaign and some of the campaign surrounding we already talked a little bit about the campaign surrounding this one, but there's one that's basically next door, the race between uh, Andrew Koenig and Deb Lavender, where Deb Lavender has been able to raise a tremendous amount of money. is getting a lot of support from traditional Democratic groups like labor unions and attorneys. Are you sensing that some of the same resources are going to flow your direction? And if you are underfunded against Senator Eigel, what does that do to your campaign? Well, uh, you know, clearly I am uh, having a, a funding shortfall compared to what he's been able to raise and what Deb has been able to raise. She's, she's in the legislature. She has been for four terms now. So uh, people that have been there and have you know, pulled the levers of government are quite good generally at fundraising, but you know, she's been getting large donations. I've been getting some substantial donations. Uh, could certainly use more. It's it's a big battle when you try to unseat an incumbent who's well funded and uh, and well backed. But I I'm encouraged with how it's been going. Um, I have a lot of small donations from ordinary people that don't like the way things have been run in the county, and. The, the, the job that uh, Senator Eigel has been doing. And uh, he's not been responsive to the needs of a lot of constituents that have contacted me. And I hear from them. And sometimes I hear from them in the form of a small check, which I think is, is tr terrific. I appreciate it greatly. Obviously, if you end up winning, that'll send a message. But you, as I mentioned before, you lost, I think, by around 20 percentage points in 2016. If this race is substantially closer, like in the single digits, or if you win, what message do you think it sends about St. Charles County and the ability for Democrats to win there? Well, hopefully it will just send the message that uh, the days of writing off any, any county or any district to the Republicans are over, as, as they should be. Um, the county... Certainly the eastern half of the county has been trending much bluer. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think it's, it's a move that will continue. There's, there's obviously a lot of <clears throat> misinformation that's been spread out there about what Democrats want to do and <clears throat> how they, <clears throat> the Republicans are the party that will take care of, of all of your hot button issues and the Democrats, uh, you know, are completely divorced from reality. And 
But more and more people are finding out that that's not the case, that we are out there to try and address the needs of the ordinary working person and not just the special interests and the, the, the corporate interests. Well, Richard, thank you very much for coming back on the show. And as mentioned a couple of times, if you want to hear Senator Eigel's show, it'll be on our website at stlpublicradio.org around the time this episode drops. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Richard, how can people follow you on social media or learn more about your campaign by going to like your campaign website? Uh, they can definitely go to my website, which has uh, got a lot of information, and you can contact and speak to me through it. It's www.richardor.org. I'm also on Facebook at Richard Orr for Missouri Senate District 23. So uh, I would recommend they, they go to my website and let me know what they think. Thank you very much, and until next time, so long.